Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Testing, testing. Oh, you sound good. One, testing. two, three. One, I sound two, good. Three, four. Bobby, you sound even better than normal today. Why would that be, Nate? So good to see you back in the studio. This is our first Urban Spelunking in person in a radio studio and and like a year and a half almost. This is the, this is the fully vaccinated edition. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can feel it listening can right now. Just, yes. just the antibodies or Coursing whatever. Through our veins. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here this week talking about uh, a really beautiful mansion on the um, the Lower East Side of Milwaukee or the where yeah, would you uh, Lower we'll East Side? The Lower East Side, yeah. So if you've ever been on a date near Collectivo or the lakefront, you know that big hill that runs right alongside Collectivo, Lafayette Hill. This is one of those mansions that's perched right at the top of that hill. Uh, if you were to keep going straight on that hill, you'd, you'd run right into this home. You would. Hopefully that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it was built by uh, a well-known industrialist um, by the name of Galoon. Yeah, Albert Galoon was the son of the founder of Galoon Tannery, and he um, had taken over by this time. It was built in 1897, the year after he got married, and he and his wife moved in there and lived there for quite a while. Um, before they built an even bigger house right across from Lake Park, which is still there on Newberry Boulevard. Um, so, you know, they hired Ferry and Kloss because they had the moolah to do that. Big and name, right? Big name, We've right? talked about Ferry and Kloss a lot on our yep. Spelunking. Yep, and they uh, had them design a beautiful Tudor revival house that's got sort of nice Gothic elements. It's almost got a little bit of an arts and craftsy kind of feel, too, with the woodwork. Okay, what year are we talking? Uh, 1897. Okay, so it goes back. Yeah, it goes back. And um, what's interesting is there's not a ton of houses along there, right? Between, like, Summit and Lake Drive, there's, I don't know, maybe six houses and then to the east of that, there's a couple more. And Ferry and Kloss designed at least four of those. So they were really oh, okay. kind of key players architecturally on what I came to call the Lafayette Riviera. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and this whole stretch really is beautiful. It, it lives up to that Lafayette Riviera moniker. Uh, great views of the lake. You're on the top of this great hill. What makes this, this stretch of home so special? Well, what I like about it is, first of all, there are not that many homes. And they're nice, but they're not – it's before – um, and maybe because of the size of the lots, they're not insanely huge. It's not; these are not like Eline Mansion-sized places. You know? Yes, that um, that was. But they're a big. big. They're impressive. But they're all beautiful. They're all designed in different styles. So it's almost like walking through a little catalog of <laughs> popular architectural styles at the time. And the houses are all in really good shape. And like you said, they have these incredible views. They look their front. You know, their front porches look right down the hill. Over McKinley Marina, you can see the downtown skyline, you can see Lake Michigan, you can see all of the lakefront sort of splayed out before you. It seems sort of like a perfect place to live. And it is uh, beautiful. We, we we should probably describe it a little bit from the outside. It's got this kind of unique orange brick color to it that, that really sticks out. Yeah, the lower part is in this sort of orangey brick, and it's got um, – the upper part is shingled, with, and it's painted green. Um, and it's got this sort of half timbering, you know, the sort of plaster with the – Exposed beams in the ah, yeah, yeah. at the top, and um, it recently it recently sold. Oh, okay. So yeah. this was on the market and and just sold, and that was part of the reason why you were had that's, the chance to get in there. Yeah, well, that's right. That was what brought it to my attention. It was for sale. So then I contacted the realtor and said, "I want to do a story on this place," and we went from there. Well, coming up in the second portion of our conversation here, we're going to go inside the home, of course, and uh, really go inside some of your research because as you were digging into the history, you found that it wasn't just uh, the Galoon family, but uh, a few different families that were connected to this this uh, this mansion. And uh, a, a guy by the name of John Garlick, 
uh, who also lived in this home with kind of an interesting Milwaukee story and an urban spelunking callback. Yeah, and I'm and I'm just going to say as a little teaser that he's the guy who put the pool in the back, if that's any clue. Okay, all right. So more about that with John Garlic and more on Lafayette Place. That's next on Urban Spelunking. A donation comes in many forms. A sustaining membership, one-time gift, and even that vehicle you no longer use. Whether it's a car, truck, or boat, Donating is a great way to support this station. Even if it's no longer running, your vehicle donation could be worth hundreds of dollars in support of the programming you enjoy. Get the process started today by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. And we are back on Urban Spelunking at Lafayette Place. This uh, was originally built by the Galoon family, as we mentioned. But as you were doing your research, Bobby, you found that it was uh, connected to a few different families that were there for a long time. I mean, this house goes back to the... uh, 1890s, so you'd imagine it has this connection with families, um, you know, over generations, over time. Yeah, and it's had maybe, you know, a half dozen, maybe a couple more than that owners over the years. So not a ton of owners, but enough. And, um, you know, the Galoons were interesting because they were this big industrialist family. They had a lot of money. They were, uh, the he was the son of German immigrants who obviously kept their German culture because early ads for the, um, for help, you know, for uh, nannies and things. Said mm-hmm. that they had to speak German, okay, which was interesting. Um, but what I found was the sort of the more interesting families were the ones that weren't necessarily that um, that well known. You know, there was a family called the Youngs who were there for I think about twenty years, and um, just as I had sort of written the story without having really found any of these families at first, but then uh, coincidentally, a, a friend on Facebook posted that he had lived in that house as the grandchildren of the Youngs or spent a lot of time in the house as the grandchildren of the Youngs. So I contacted him and he had all these great stories of growing up there and of like how they used to go down to the tennis courts and how they would go fishing and all, just how like they related to the neighborhood based in this house. And he sent me some great pictures, including pictures of him and his siblings um, as little kids in their Halloween costumes sitting on the steps, you yeah, know, which is that, pretty amazing. And then the whole family gathered outside on the front porch. Yeah, that's what makes this really so cool is, you know, it's one thing to see photos of the interior over time, but to see the people that lived in this mansion uh, over time is even, just even more personal. And you see, yeah, the Halloween costumes and these, right. these like candid moments that were captured. Right, and that's what I loved. I mean, I love, I mean, you look at the pictures in the story and you'll see it's, it's just a stunning interior, exposed beams, lots of beautiful woodwork, a great sort of grand entrance with a beautiful staircase. But those are pictures with no people in them. To me, the more exciting pictures are these families standing on the front porch, proud of this beautiful house that they obviously loved. And like these kids, like you said, sitting on the steps in their Halloween costumes, just living their lives in this in this beautiful place. So the, so the young family was, as you mentioned, just one of the families that lived there. Uh, but there was another family that, that reached out to you in your research, the uh, Vogelsangs? Yeah, so um, I had not been able to reach the family of the the sellers, you know, who were selling this house. Um, But they contacted me right, like the day the story ran, thankfully, they contacted me and said, we're not in your story. (laughs) I said, well, (laughs) I couldn't find you. And so um, I talked to them and they sent me another great photo of their family, like extended family out on the front porch, basically echoing that photo of the Youngs out on the front porch, um, you know, like 40 years earlier. Um, and they had great stories, too, about how much they loved this house. And they lived, they lived there actually the longest of anybody. They were there almost 40 years. Um, and so had lots of stories of growing up there, uh, growing up there as children, and then living in the house as adults and raising their children there. So, again, like a, a three-generation family saga in this house. And 
And to me, that was just beautiful, you know, because as much as I love this beautiful house, it's just walls, right? I mean, and nice decor. This, These are the lives lived here and the people who really loved this place and, and lived in it and made it actually a home. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing we've talked about in the past when you look at these old schools, too. You you know, it's one thing to see the building, but when you see the the children who are in there and the generations of, of Milwaukee that that passed through these school walls and these families that that lived in these homes that we talk about, it you know, it's it's easy to get kind of caught up in the architectural details, but yep. the, these family histories are really what makes them so special. All right, so we got to talk about John Garlic <laughs> and his connection to this restaurant in Milwaukee that we've talked about in the past because Mr. Garlic lived in this uh, in this house as well. Yeah, so Garlic— first, was that really—his real name was yeah, John Garlic? Yeah, it was John J. Garlic, yeah. And he opened a restaurant downtown called J.J. Garlic's, and he had another restaurant on the Perfect east side. Perfect name, yeah. Yep. Um, and then he bought this house in 76, I think it was. Um, and then right after he bought it, a bunch of the stained glass got stolen out of it. Oh, wow. So that was an interesting news story. And it was part of this sort of rash of stained glass thefts around the city. Really? Um, but they ended up catching the guy who was sort of fencing these things. Uh, he was, didn't necessarily steal them, but he, he he was the one who had fenced them to a dealer in Chicago. And they apparently got the windows back, and it was a big to do, but they got that stained glass. They recovered stolen yes. stained glass. Thankfully, wow. the stained glass is back in the house. Yes, but uh, so JJ Garlic um, also opened the restaurant in the uh, South Side Natatorium, the one that had the dolphins. So this was a restaurant that that they had real live dolphins living in like a pool or yes. in, or whatever, and you could dine overlooking this dolphin pool. Yeah, cuz the natatorium was a was basically a big swimming building that had sort of an atrium above the pool and then sort of mezzanines around the outer edges so you could look down over the pool. And so he converted one of these into a restaurant. So the tables were up in the mezzanines where you could look down into the pool and then the pool became the place where they would do these dolphin shows and they had dolphins living there. Um this is one of those stories that sounds kind of made up. Right? It does sound like, totally like the, made up. But the I, the but, trivia, like, when did dolphins live in Milwaukee? Yes, <laughs> like, but it's true. I assure you it's true. And and, um, and Garlic had the house until he ended up closing his restaurants uh, in the early 80s and then moved to Florida and sold the house to the Vogelsang family. And what about the dolphins? They That, that they was kind of short-lived up, too, right? Like yeah, that was, they ended up at like, um, I think it was SeaWorld or a place like that. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they ended up at like a place where they were more suited to to living than in this tiny little pool in Milwaukee. Yeah. So interesting history. And then and then and also interesting is that Garlic puts in this a swimming pool of his own at the <laughs> yes. mansion, right? No word on whether or not there were dolphins. <laughs> but I'm guessing not. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go inside and see photos from this incredible mansion. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the woodwork and I'm looking at this uh, stained glass and the chandelier. It's uh, definitely worth taking a look at and you can find the link to Bobby's story right in the info box on wherever you're listening to the podcast if you're listening on Spotify Apple Podcasts you can find the link right to On Milwaukee go there check it out and find more of our conversations at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the license lab with support from on milwaukee and your membership you can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts including cinebuds tapped in and this bites plus our special project podcast by every measure and diverse disruptors all of that content is at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts all right bobby next week we are going to west alice where are we headed next week we are going to an old factory building in west alice that was long covered up in metal siding this is a familiar story to yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked about this kind of thing before too 
Um, and when the siding came off, people were wowed by what they found underneath it. And now there's talk of um, rather than having this building fall down or get torn down, of uh, having it redeveloped into something the whole community can use. All right, good tease. We'll be there next week on Urban Spelunking.